I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Hello and welcome to the Utah Puck Report. I'm Jay Stevens. I'm the host today. We're going to go without co-hosts. We have two guests today. And both of you guys have been on the show before. Uh, Daniel Brickley. And I actually was going to ask if you want to bring Sam up too, because Sam's so much fun to... Yeah, I mean, Sam is working, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, Nick Halloran. Nick, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've had you on a couple times. We've had you and your brother on. Yeah. So it's been fun. Um, you guys had... Like an amazing year, like a roller coaster adventure. And Daniel, let's start with you. Um, yep. Where did you begin last se- or this season that just ended? Um, <clears throat> I was in I was in Sweden, uh, south part of Sweden, a small town called Vastervik. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it was in the Hockey Allsvenskan League, and <laughs> to be honest, I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting into. I mean, it was. This is your first year in Europe? It was my first year in Europe, yeah. yeah. And what, what a roller coaster ride it was, for sure. Uh, I mean, we'll get uh, more into it, yeah. uh, but that's where, that's where I was playing last year, is Vastarik, and then ended the season in Moto. Okay, and Nick, where were you, like, where did you start? I started the year in Timra, which is in the SHL. Okay. Um, yeah, I had played for Orebrew the season before, I that was my second year in Europe that I just finished, and my first year I was in Finland. And then my team in Finland wasn't going to make the playoffs, so they sold me, and a team in the SHL called o- Odebrew wanted me. So I finished the year there, and then I signed with uh, another SHL team called Timra this past year and uh, started the year there. And, yeah, it was all good. And then kind of, you know, some some things happened and it was best for me to get out of there and uh, I ended up going to Moto with Brickley and um, in Sweden how it works like the top team in uh, the second league which is the Hockey Allsvenskan League goes up to the SHL and the bottom team in uh, the SHL goes down to the Allsvenskan and it's it's kind of hard to explain, but it's a pretty big deal in Sweden because um, oh. like the fans have been waiting for it and all that and 
but more than that, like the money that you get from the um, uh, broadcasting uh, company there, it's a huge difference. It's like millions of dollars versus, you know, a couple hundred thousand for the second league. And it's funny because I think a lot of um, a lot of U.S. fans, I, I think fans get it a little bit more, like hockey fans get it more because they f- end up following players or whatever that play in Europe and you kind of follow it or during the lockouts because, you know, there's a two lockouts in the last 15 years and you end up watching like some of your best players go play in Sweden or whatever. And they kind of get it. And then like people that watch Ted Lasso started really understanding relegation a little bit better about like, it's just, it's super important for your teams and to be on that bottom bubble and the threat of going down or, you know, more excitingly being on the, in the tier two with the anticipation of going up. But so you started, like you started at the beginning, you were in division one or tier one. And you had the opportunity to play there. And, like, I talked to your dad. I know that you were having a pretty good season. Like, you were doing... Oh, it was a good season. Yeah. Like, point of game type season? Like, I was, yeah, I was close to it. I had, I think, like, 15 points in 20, 21 games. And, oh. um, you know, one of those games I got hurt in the first period, missed eight games. And then um, a couple other games were, you know, I just didn't get a look from the coach. Honestly, bottom line, it came down to me and the coach in uh in Timra just didn't see eye to eye and uh you know he thought something different of me that I thought something different myself and for me I thought my numbers and my play were were there to be uh respected enough to um you know deserve more than what I was getting right. and uh it kind of came to a breaking point and uh it was just the best decision to move on and uh luckily I have a pretty good agent over there who's got my back and uh, you know, he found me a good spot in Moto, and it was nice because Bricks was already there. And um, right away, I just I felt like it was a better environment for me. Yeah, and that's one of the things we've talked about it a little bit. Um, we talked about I know Evan Stofflet, like when he went to the University of Vermont, he was recruited by a coach, really wanted him there out of juniors, and he gets there his freshman year, plays a ton, everything's great, but then they fire his coach, they bring in another coach, and that's not the guy that recruited him. He's going to go out and recruit his own players. So you have the same guy, same player, putting up good numbers, and just because he's not your guy or whatever, the coach starts playing other other people. And it's weird because, you know, I, I still watch how you guys do, and we do some, occasionally we do updates on the show and let people know how all of our pros from Utah are doing. But it was weird to watch all your numbers. And that's another thing. And I, I've seen it happen here with the Grizzlies. We used to have a coach that was notorious for, you know, if a guy would get sent down and, this coach didn't like him or the parent club had questions about him. He would even dress him or put him on the roster and then put him in the stands so that your point of game is not a point of game anymore because you're on the roster and you didn't produce, even though in reality you were in the stands. Yeah, yeah. there were two or three games there where I dressed and sat on the bench the whole game. Yeah. And it was just infuriating because I couldn't really understand why. And like I said, I just had to make a decision that was best for myself and so I did. Yeah, super frustrating, especially when you're producing. Yeah, but honestly, it's probably one of the best things uh, that could happen to me. Like, I think in life in general, too, when you go through a lot of hardships, that's usually when you grow. And, you know, maybe the most profit you get out of your life is from those tough times. And, nope. like, after that happened, I felt like I didn't even know what I was thinking in the sense of, you know, do I want to play hockey or, you know, what, like, what really is going on here? Like, am I happy doing this? And then I ended up making the switch to moto, and best thing that could have happened this year because, you know, made some really good buddies and had bricks there, and uh, we ended up, you know, winning the whole thing. So pretty special. Did having 
Daniel there, did that influence your decision to go there, or was that just the team you were going to go to no matter what? No, absolutely. I was actually, uh, it was between Moto and Bjorkloven, and uh, Bricks just said. I was begging. <laughs> begging him to come. He just said, because Bjorkloven's a really good team there too, and they had uh, they had a good chance to make a run at the finals, and, you know, Bricks just said, don't go there. Please don't go there. And, and then there were also some logistical things of, you know, I'm a right-handed shot, and they had a couple there that were doing really well, and, I'm sure I would have went and they would have put me in a good spot, but I think I had uh, more of a chance to succeed in moto where they didn't have as many right-handed shots, and yeah. it just uh, it worked out. That's awesome. I mean, that goes into Moneyball like, where you just have to start looking at Because before, that never came up like with forwards. It came up with D all the time. Like, oh, we need a left-handed D to pull pucks off this board. But forever, it's like, well, I got a forward. I just need a forward. It doesn't matter if it shoots left or right. Like, but now it's really – really, and that's smart to look at the roster and go over that. Yeah, when when all this was going down, I did like logistics, and I went to Bjork Lovin's roster, and their top five scores were all right-handed, oh. all forwards. Yeah, and Rick's was I basically came back, and I told Hallie, like Hallie, like they might promise you, but they have all righties scoring. Yeah. their top, you know, point getters, and and. I don't even know how many we have. Three, three, yeah, three yeah. on our team. I up forwards and one of them, and between the first and second line, yeah. I was like Kelly, oh. you'll get all the playing time. Oh. Like you're, you're yeah. you got to come here. Yeah. That's awesome. Brick, Bricks was basically Jonah Hill crunching numbers for me there. <laughs> <laughs> so Bricks, tell us like at the beginning of the year, I'm watching your stats and I'm like. What is going on with Brickley? Is he playing forward up there? Because you're putting up forward type numbers from the D. Yeah, it was uh, kind of touching on what you just said previously about uh, having, you know, someone who believes in you and uh, a coach like that. And I didn't have that the year I was in Chicago. Yeah. And when I went to Vastrovic, it was so different in, in that aspect where. My coach had full trust in me, and when you have something like that, your game elevates. Right, you build confidence and and whatnot. And even though our team wasn't uh, that good, um, still be you know able to produce, and it was fun. I mean, I was I was enjoying the game of hockey again. I, I know Hallie when he was going through uh, what team to pick, he was down or you know like you said, am I doing the right thing? Am I playing? Uh, hockey, you know, stuff like that. Like I was at that point in my life in, in Chicago and it turned all around when uh, I went to Vastrovic and it oh. kind of jump started again. And, and uh, I mean, hockey was fun for me. Like people lose sight of how important that part of it is like, Oh, well, you're a pro. It doesn't need to be fun, but you're still a person. And like, um, Man, if that's one of the things that we've talked about on this show more and more, like episode one with Trevor Lewis, and we're talking, and that's five years ago, by the way, this, we're getting ready for our sixth season, but uh, episode one, Trevor tells us about how close he was to quitting hockey, how close he was to the LA Kings just saying, we're done with you. Yeah. And in fact, they were done with him. They put him on the trade block. They tried yeah. to get rid of him. Yeah. And they're like, you know, if we don't, he was rested for, like, he was healthy scratched for 11 games yeah. straight, and they're like, yeah, if nobody picks you up, we're just going to send you the A and let you send your contract out. And then yeah. LA fires our coach, brings in a new coach, yeah. and now we know what happens. But it's like Trevor talked about that as well. It's like they gave up on me, I give up on me, 
And now I start realizing maybe I had like imposter syndrome the whole time I was there. And then somebody else comes in and says, no, like you're good. And I can see this value in you. Um, maybe you're not Kyle Ocposo. Like they thought when we drafted you, you're not going to go out and get a point a game, but you're going to go out and do all these other things. Yeah. It's good that somebody sees value and maybe helps you find more value in yourself. Yeah. No, I mean, when you're, when you're in that position, uh, it's heartbreaking. It's because you have all those bad thoughts, you know, like, am I good enough? Am I, can I compete at this level? It was this a fluke, like, and it's, it's hard to get out of until, like I said, you have someone who is in your corner, whether it be an agent, coach, whatever, you know, your game will elevate again and, Life just gets better, for sure. Did you, are you able to talk a little bit more now about, because people don't know, like you weren't healthy the whole time, like you were in the Kings system. You had some st- stuff you're dealing with that we weren't allowed to really talk about. Can you talk about a little bit of that now, or did you just want to say you were unhealthy? or it's Unhealthy. Okay, all right. Um, and that's fine. Like you, you were. Well, I, I, I can tell you one. I, I did tear uh, my MCL my first year. Um. I was in, we were playing San Jose. Um, we were just going into a corner, and it's kind of a fluke. Like, me and the guy were shoulder to shoulder with each other. And I don't really know how he fell. He just fell on the outside of my knee and uh, tore my MCL. And, and then I was out for five, five weeks, five and a half weeks, and I was cleared to play, but that was when uh, it was February. No, I'm sorry. Jan- the end of January, I was cleared to play, and then we got the news about my dad. And oh. so the Kings let me go home for two weeks or so. And then, so I'd missed like two, three months my first year, which was, you know, hard being oh. a first year pro <clears throat> guy. And, uh, and then, second or third year, just an unfortunate bounce of what happened. Yeah, and then you're also, I mean, okay, you had an injury, so physically you had things going on, but losing your dad, I mean, yeah, I mean, that was hard on this entire community. I can't imagine how yeah. it'd be on you, you know, like your dad was an amazing person and did so much for so many and was such a positive influence here. And to how, like, that takes a long time to recover from. Yeah, I mean, and you it, still got to go out and be a top performing <laughs> athlete. Yeah, that was the hardest part. I mean, it was obviously losing a parent. Uh, it's very traumatic and obviously, I mean, that was my first time having to go through that and at a pretty young age and, and having to separate between business, hockey and family was tough for like emotions. And, and once my father passed away, I had to fly right back to California like a day or two later. Right. And that that's a hard thing to, not drop or let go, but you like, it's like a switch. You're, you know, like you're now playing hockey again. Like you got to leave all your emotions at the door and like, this is my job. Yep. And that was hard for me. It was, it was very hard. And that's where, you know, I, I like to thank all my teammates for that. Uh, I mean, they were there and, and they, uh, they helped me get through it. I mean, it was definitely tough, but I mean, it's, it was hard to separate the two. Yeah, for sure. And that's, again, that's the human element of being a professional athlete that a lot of people just don't think exists. Or, yeah. well, you're making all that money, then you should just be fine. 
to just be able to go and do whatever because I wish it was like that. Yeah. In reality is it's it's tough. Like yeah. and not on top of having the loss, on top of having to perform every day, you gotta go live somewhere where that you didn't live before, away from family, away from friends. So it's tough and um again that's that's something else that you were dealing with and now you've gotta go move forward with your career. Like yeah. you said, you're having your doubts, you're having and the first opportunity comes up and you seem to like just excel. Yeah. Like I like I was saying, like I don't wanna be didn't want to get it too depressing there, but yeah. I wanted people to know that there's more going on than everybody sees. Yeah. No that's, that's for sure. I mean everyone just sees you know, whether it be me or Hallie or Louie or you know, or pro athletes, they must think, Oh, their life's perfect, you know. Right. But I mean Everyone has something going on yeah. in their life, and it can be challenging for sure. Yeah, and there's no way that it doesn't mess with your game. So, but we're glad that you're recovering. We're glad yeah. that things are going your way, and now you see, like, now this opportunity comes up, and man, right from the get go, at the beginning of this last season, you were just on fire. Yeah, it was. It was a fun start of the year. I mean, it, again, our team. <laughs> kind of jumping into a different path here, but so being my first year over there, not every team wants to win. It sounds weird. Yeah. So a lot of teams don't have the finances to move up leagues. Okay. And so some teams are content being where they're at. Like that is their top league I think for that organization. I think what like also kind of what he meant by that is, you know, teams won't go – look for the best players because they know they can't afford them. Right. So they want to put a roster together that will just keep them in that league. Correct. That's kind of what he means. Correct. And and so I'm not taking away from any of the guys on the team. They were great. Um, But then you look at other teams who have money, uh, the Eurogarden, the Bjorklovin, Moto, Sortilia, they're a rich team uh, in that league. And – they can afford, like Hallie was saying, to get the best guys to come to their organization and and try to help them, you know, get promoted to the SHL. I mean, and your, your garden had a player, Marcus Kruger, who's won two or three Stanley Cups yeah. now. And, you know, like a team like Vastrovic probably isn't going to get a guy like that. So I think it's yeah. good. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was uh, – if I'm not mistaken, are all the teams, they're not business-owned on, like, sports teams here. Okay. They're sponsors, aren't they? They're, like, they're... Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure. They're so, like the, like, the community just sponsors it, or...? Yeah. Okay. And so that's how it, you get paid. That's how you know, they run the rink and... Oh, okay. And stuff like that. And so, I mean, it's... We were not very rich. Okay. I guess you can just say that. And and that was actually the reason why I got traded. Um, you started outperforming your pay? No. We, uh, the team went bankrupt. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, it was a, a roller coaster because my coach would call me in. He's like, Bricks, we're not trading you. You're our guy, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know if you know it. Marcus Vela, he, he was with me in Vastrick. He got traded to Moto first, and the reason he got sold was because we weren't going to get paid in December. Okay. And he got sold. No, 
over there it's all pretty open about money wise like oh. all, like like it was known news that Vasrick was in the hole and, and so they sold Vels and uh you know got paid and January like second or something like that coach calls me in he's like bricks we got to trade you I was just like okay you know I don't, I don't know really how how, how this works <laughs> and then so they trade you or sell you so that's what I was just about to get into <laughs> they, they sell you yeah and it's a three-way agreement so if you were a GM of moto Hallie's my coach and Vasrick and I'm the player you offer my coach and if he likes it he brings it to me but if I don't like your where you guys are at I can just say no and then the whole thing's so it's a it's got to be a big three-way agreement on oh wow that's that's kind of nice that's yeah unique so, sports I think and so being in that position and and how well I was doing in the first half of the year I was able to pick any team and I ended up going to moto. Did you money ball that too? Did you get on there and be like, all right, how many left-handed, how many right-handed, how many? Like, kind of. Many I mean, my, my agent did all that oh, for okay. me, but it, was, it came down to actually Bjorklevin and, and moto. And, I mean, I obviously went to moto. and It was just a weird, not weird, just a different exchange of how trades go down over there compared yeah. to here. I mean, Co, you know, GM, GM talk, trade. All right, you know, you get a call and breaks your traded. Right, you have no say. I mean, over there, it's like, no, I don't want to go there. And then you just deny, deny, deny. And then, oh. then you want a team you want to go to. You just tell them, and, <clears throat> and that's it. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, right, and a lot of people don't understand that here is that like yeah, with the Utah Grizzlies, you've got Kanasiewicz who's doing all the wheeling and dealing. He's the coach yeah. and the GM. Yeah, <clears throat> but in the NHL. It's the GMs. The coaches don't make those decisions. Yeah. And like with Vegas Knights, I know everybody was mad at the their coaching staff are getting rid of Flurry or it's like it's not the coach. It's yeah. the GM that makes that trade. A lot of time the G, the the GM makes the decision and the coach and sometimes the players don't know until they all read it on on social media nowadays. Yeah. So it's nice that you guys kind of had that a little say. Yeah, a little say. A little Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. So how does how do things go when you get to moto, like right off the bat? Uh, to be honest, I, I struggled a little bit. Oh. I mean, I right when I left, I was almost a point per game, and then playing in Vastrick was kind of running gun. Yeah, we tried to have a structure, but some like for whatever reason we just couldn't piece it together, and so it was more of a running gun style type of game and when I got to moto they were very structured they had a you know which every team should have you know four check neutral zone d zone right and it was so different than Vastrovic and and uh their big thing is that they want you know if we're in the O zone it's not just the forwards doing the work like it's you play with all five guys and 
um, which I, I love about that, but it, it was just a, it was a hard transition, at least for me being a defenseman and, and just how fast they wanted to play yeah. all, all the time. Um, so, I mean, it's bigger ice too, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's really when, when they want you to get involved and do more work as a D and there's that, that much more ice and people don't understand, like, just even with it's just being a little bit wider, yeah. And you got to cover that blue line. That gives you a lot more space to cover as a defenseman. Yeah. And now you got to pinch and do, yeah, you know, well, participate. You have, but it sounds like you're participating quite a bit before. If you're a point of game guy as a D. Yeah. I mean, it, talking about that wide ice. I mean, if you have someone like Hallie, yeah. line, you know, Hallie skates fast, and a lot of the Swedes skating is phenomenal over there. And all right, so you have a lot of fast forwards and and it's it can be tough it's challenging because they have so much ice to work with and and then you know it's wider that much longer to go close on someone and um it's there's good and bad to it i mean it's yeah it kind of stinks you have to cover more ice but when you have the puck you have that much more time to make a play or or do you know whatever you want with with the puck and so i mean it's Good and bad. Yeah. Did you try to keep your physical play up over there, or did you just kind of back off a little bit? Yeah, he backed off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just oh, kidding. Wow. No, I'm just playing. Bricks is actually huge for us. Uh, I mean, having that, like, long reach and, like, being able to shut plays down, down low, he was, you know, the best on our team at it and kind of invaluable over there. I mean, I think there's something to having that North American mindset where, you know, maybe a European mindset might be a little more uh, just kind of play the puck and try to, you know, get your stick in the lane. Whereas um, playing over here for so long, you kind of get in the mode of, you know, take the body first and then go from there. And I think Bricks was really good at that for us. So, Oh, that's awesome. It's just weird to try to adapt. Like I've talked to a lot of guys that get over there and they're like, oh, it's I had to relearn my position basically because European hockey is different than North American hockey. You know, it's. Yeah, the no. when when I was first going over there, Hallie emphasized this like crazy, saying how defensive they are. And and in North America, you know, all the coaches tell you like stop and start. You know, it's the quickest route and stuff. And over in Europe, they just swing. They, yeah. Like no one stops. Keep your momentum. Yeah, and then it's a, it's such a trap game and defensive that it's it's almost boring, but it's. At the same time, it's fun to watch because you see a lot of skill and finesse come right. out during games. And but the defensiveness and trap style is it was different to get used to compared to the North American way. Yeah. So I mean, it makes sense that every time you switch a team over there or anywhere, you switch a team, you can't just come out of the gate and be what you were in the last team or your last game or whatever because you got to get into their system and figure and now you're yeah yeah my coach the like the first team I went to over in Europe was in Finland and my coach he had won it the year before with his system or whatever and his kind of system was the forwards just blow the zone and then swing back and get a pass from the D and kind of bump it to like the center with speed so kind of the whole time you literally said like do not stop and start and you know I had no problem with that so (laughs) but uh it was you would never go on the defensive (laughs) zone yeah exactly that's scary as a defense you just see (laughs) Hallie 
ripping around <laughs> yeah. the ice and you just see him building all this but, speed. You're just yeah. like, oh, no. But, uh, definitely a different game over there. Man, um, I've seen that style of play too. And it's even here, the Ogden Mustangs, that's what they tried to play, that uh, Jake LeMay, he really coached that. All right, we get possession of the puck. Everybody blows the zone. And you're like, man, that's not how I've ever been taught to play the game. But it's it's also really fast and ex- like fun to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as long as your goaltender's good with, you know, odd man rushes the other way, if that pass, that stretch pass doesn't connect. Right, right. Like, I mean, to win a hockey game, you just have to score more than the other team. <laughs> the other team can dominate you for 19 minutes of a yeah. period, and you just chip the puck out, and, you know, it bobbles in the D man skates, and the guy gets a breakaway or something like that. Then you get a goal, and it doesn't matter the other 19 minutes. Like, in that's, a sense, I think that's how some teams look at it. Well, North, like, uh, New Jersey won so many cups doing that exact thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they would get, they weren't that great, but they won cups because they would just do what you're talking about. Yeah, blow the zone and, you know, bury an opportunity. Yeah. That's all you need. Yep. Um, I mean, that's, that's men's league. Too right, like yeah. just uh, you play. Basically, you have one guy back there trying to set the break, the, the stretch pass, and four forwards. Yeah, there's no glory in defense. Yeah, no right, right, bricks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So um, now, at what point? What month was it that you got shipped over, sold to Moto? January sixth. January. Ooh, that's a big day in this country right now. Uh, what year did? We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> when, when did you get over there? Uh, I was like. Late January. So, All right, so you, after. that's pretty cool that it wasn't too long. And now you guys both get over there. Did you guys room together? No. How do they set you guys up over there? You have your own yeah, place? not to room with Allie. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I bet. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, they say. Disgusting you, habits are here. <laughs> no, they set you up with a nice uh, apartment and, you know, car and stuff. So they, tre- they treat you pretty well over there. Oh, that's very nice. Yeah. I remember uh, when Stops was playing over there, I think they gave him uh, like a Mercedes that had the team logo on it. But. Yeah. So he's posting pictures with him and his Mercedes. Yeah, we had our name and numbers on the car, so if you just cut someone off, they knew exactly who <laughs> <Yeah>. they were. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, so you guys get over there, and you're like, all right, where was Moto in the standings? How were things going for them when you guys got there? First place. They Oh, they were already in first place. I, When I got there, they were just coming off, I believe, an 18-game win streak. Wow. They, they were dominating yeah. the, the league the entire season. Until about end of February ish, I think we lost like six. Yeah, or right. Uh, right when I got there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. Like they they were hot all year, first place, and then oh. you know, kind of had some tough bounces, lost some games, and but then I think we started to find it at the regular season, like last four or five games. I think we won or something like that, and kind of hit our stride at the right right time. I think it was good though for us to because they were winning so much. Yeah. We went on the I don't think it was six consecutive losses. I think it was like win loss win loss win, you know. And I mean going into playoffs, I think in my opinion, I think it benefited us just because you go into playoff thinking you're unbeatable. Unbeatable, right? Yeah. Like you got to taste that adversity. Exactly. And because you're going to get it in playoffs. Like Ali said, like I think it was at the right time. Like I said, we were at the end of February, beginning of March, and we were on this – we weren't losing every game, but it was like every other. And I think it was a kind of eye-opening, like, hey, like playoffs are right around the corner. Teams are, you know, stepping up, and it's going to be playoff hockey here shortly. And uh, I think, like I said, I just think it benefited us to lose a couple to bring us down from 
Cloud nine. Well, they talk about the best way to bond is to go through some tough times together. Yeah. Uh, the Navy SEALs are notorious. The Rangers are notorious for breaking guys down together so that they can build back up together. And then you have a strong unit, right? Um, but not to get too dark, you guys are both coming from places where you're like, you didn't have a ton of confidence or you had coaches that weren't doing that great for you. Well, not maybe you were having a better time, Brickley, but um, Howard, you, you were like, getting crapped on by your other coach. Now you come to a team that's won 18 straight. Now you guys start losing. Does that mess with you at all? Yeah, absolutely. You're like, all right, is this, is this me here? That's the problem. But, um, you know, I think take a step back and, you know, hockey team has 20 players and sometimes you win games, sometimes you lose and you do everything you can to win the game. And, you know, the result is a result. And I think when we lost those games, you kind of, you know, have to be able to assess that, you know, you're doing everything you can, yeah. and that's the best that you can do. So. And that's some maturity, right? Like, it's easy as you progress as a pro, or maybe through your college career you learn this, but, like, for younger guys that are listening, they're not going to have that maturity. What would you say to those guys? I mean, basically what you're saying now is understand your role, understand – Yeah, like, be, real, be realistic guess, about what you can do. Well, just control what you can control. You can't, you know, control that you win every game, but you can do everything – in your power as a player to, um, you know, put your best out there. And yeah. I think if you can just focus on what you can control, then, you know, the rest is up to, you know, I guess fate or whatever. Okay. All right. So now you go through that. You guys start gelling. Playoffs start. Tell me how, like, the first round of playoffs go for you guys. That was a grind. Uh, I I think that was the hardest series. Yeah. Who was that against? Uh, AIK. And it's actually interesting. Since we became we came in first, we get a pick in the first and the second round who we want to play. What? Yeah, yeah. I know. So there's <laughs> one to ten make the playoffs. Seven to ten have to play a best of three to see who the last two teams are. So we picked a team that basically finished in tenth place for the year. So they like beat whoever they had to in the best of three. So we kind of like you know everyone you know maybe thinking all right this is last place team like we're just gonna roll over them. But our the way we played was kind of a more skill and speed type of game, and this team was strictly physical and you know just wanted to get in our way, and oh. they did a really good job of that. They, the they you know we won the first game, they won the second, we won the third, they won the fourth, and we're like tied up two two versus team that we're supposed to pump, yeah. and so you know a little nervous for sure considering it's the first round, we're the best team in the league, I guess, and. Um, yeah, they gave us an absolute run for our money, and then we were able to find it for the last two games and just close out the series. Wow, that's it's crazy because then you start thinking, all right, that team, well, they just went through a best of three series. Maybe that tuned them up a little bit, or you you would have thought, but I didn't think they let off the gas at all. Like, yeah. I didn't think they were tired that much, and they they were a heavy hitting team, and they. AIK and maybe one other team, uh, your garden, they had big boys yeah. on their team. Like, I'm a big guy, and they had a lot of my size guys on. That's pretty rare for those European leagues, right? Like, yeah. Especially Sweden. Like, that's... Yeah. And they were not shy of hitting hmm. at all. And it, like Hallie said, and I'm saying, it was, it was just a grind all, all six games. Well, that's how NHL teams build for the playoffs, right? They don't do great all season, but if you have a really tough, physical, grind-out team, that's going to 
typically that's how you're going to do well in the playoffs in the NHL. So it's it's interesting to hear that teams are trying to maybe replicate that in, in Sweden where it's a little more wide open. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was only really AIK in, in our yeah. league that was doing that. Yeah. Um, all the other teams are more or less like Moto, where they skill fast, you know, go north as quick as possible. But that and was, I love watching that. That was not a... I was not AIK. They were North American style for sure. Yeah, dump the puck, go in. Look, I love North American hockey. I love, I love bump and grind and, and that kind of hockey that you're talking about. Man, I love watching Swedish hockey too, or like the European, just fast. There's nothing. I to me, there's nothing prettier than watching when there's a possession change and watching every like four of the five guys immediately switch direction. It's like artistic to me. Like yeah. It's the, that transition game is beautiful. Yeah, for sure. So fast. It's fun to play. All right. So how's round two go? Who do you guys have in round two? Mora. <laughs> I got the well, first round. Well, I, you would know better. I didn't. Oh, I, didn't yeah. I didn't play uh, at all in the semifinals. I game six of AIK uh, didn't really touch on this, but it, it was a pretty cheap. Uh, series. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Three or four guys got hit from behind, like pretty bad, myself included. And then I ended up uh, tearing a two ligaments in my ankle uh, in Game Six, and so I, di- I didn't play in more. So Hallie would know, yeah, more on this. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah, Mora. I like they were a team that were just clicking at the like second half of the season. Um, like literally, you couldn't beat them. They were just red hot, and um, you know we kind of expected a pretty good series, but we uh, ended up just kind of finding our rhythm after that first series. I think we were all kind of engaged in playoff mode and ready for maybe another series like that. So I think we were on our best game, and um, you know I, I think they their top guys didn't score and I think their goalie maybe was a little shaky. So, you know, we, t- we took the first two at home, pretty, pretty like boring games, honestly, like, you know, we score, they score, and then we get up two, maybe three and kind of just lock it down. And so nothing exciting there. And then we go on the road and, uh, you know, we're hoping to get one on the road because usually, you know, in a playoff series, you can, you know, bank on maybe the home team getting at least one. So mm-hmm. we're just trying to steal one out there and we end up, having to come from behind win in the third game. So we're up three zero and then fourth game. We just also play another solid game and close mountain four, which was nice. nice. But I think it was kind of a double edged sword in a sense, uh, being done so early because we just had like a week and a half to just wait and practice. And you can kind of get out of that, that playoff game mode. Right. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, it, it was a good thing and kind of a bad thing at the same time, but it was nice that we were played the, you know, minimum amount of games possible. So is it just like here where it's 2-2-1-1-1? Two, two, one, one, one? Yes. Okay. But so, in the SHL, crazy. I do not know why they do this. They still haven't fixed it. They go one 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 like all the way up to 7, which is insane. Wow. So like home ice advantage doesn't even mean anything really. Wow. Except if you go game 7. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of – now there's a bunch of money ball – 
talk about that because home ice sometimes like in the NHL playoffs right now, home ice isn't doing that great for well in the first couple of rounds. It seems like there's maybe a little added pressure to the home team instead yeah, of for sure. Yeah, yeah. Like as the players get older, they're at home, they're dealing with their kids, they're dealing with the normal stuff they deal with all the time as opposed to going on the road and just staying at a hotel and just hockey. Yeah, and just being able to shut everything out and mm-hmm. shut everybody else down. So who do you play the championship against? Your garden. And they're a team based in Stockholm that went, they got relegated last season and uh, they were trying to make a push just to get right back up. So they had a lot of, a lot of really good players on the team. They were deep. Oh, definitely the best series. I think four out of the seven games went to overtime. Like the first three games went to overtime, like one, two, three. It was was like two, one them, two, one us, I think three, two them, like two, one. Something like that. It was close games. Yeah. Jeez. And then out of the blue, it was like game five, it was like seven, well, six or eight, six or something like that. Yeah, like ga- Was it game five? Or game, uh, yeah, one of those games. We were up 4-1 going into the third period. But we were going down on, we were on a penalty kill going into the third period, and they end up getting one, and we're kind of all on the bench. Like, all right, like, you know, 4-2, it's okay. Whatever. I was in the box. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, next Ooh. next shift they score again to make it four three, and the place that your garden plays at in Stockholm is like I don't even know ten twelve thousand seating and packed and they're going nuts and that's nope. another thing that we haven't actually touched on is the fans in Europe yep. are insane like never sit way better than honestly the states I mean you can't get what they provide outside of probably the Stanley Cup finals. Like, they're standing the entire time. Chanting, chanting, everything. Flags, like yeah. fireworks. It is insane. Yeah. Crazy. So, but yeah. So much fun. So yeah. we go down 4-3, yeah. and then we score 5-3, they score 5-4, we score 6-4, they score 6-5, <laughs> all in the third period. There were like this eight like goals scored. Five, this is like five minutes left. Yeah. It was, it was nuts. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we ended up winning like 7-6 or something. So, but... Crazy nice. series, yeah. crazy series. Did it go to game seven? Yeah. Yeah. And that was, okay, we, tell me about that one. So we uh, were. Are you in the lineup, Brickley, for game seven? So, like I said, I played all all of uh, the first round. Yeah. Missed the second round. Played yep. all the games until game seven. I, the morning of pregame skate of game seven, coach called me, and, and my ankle uh, wasn't getting better. And just told me, like, need they dress seven defensemen right and they just said we need seven healthy for this it's like yeah makes sense right yeah. like it sure. sucks to and not I, be like, in game seven wish i was out there but at the same time you know knowing what i know now we won like oh. it's it was worth it and but i mean it sucked not being out there but yeah but i mean it was a game you definitely paid still paid the price like you and yeah. you contributed all the, all the games that you played you you made them get to where they were at exactly. So, yeah exactly but yeah it came down to game seven but the crazy part was game six we were in your garden they uh score first we tied up in the third period with like nine minutes left or no no we tied it up in like the second or something so it's one one going to the third game six and then we score with like nine minutes left and all of us are like looking on the bench, kind of like, oh, like this yeah, might this happen. Like we might win this, like right here. And uh, we ice the puck with a minute fifty left, and they just, you know, they work it around, work it around. Old goalie. One of our guys kind of, you know, makes a bad read and gives the guy the middle lane, and he just goes oh. and buries it. 
this place is going nuts and so loud so all of us kind of get deflated like oh like we could have won it right there and then so we you have to kind of regroup and focus back up because the game's not over so we go to overtime nobody scores we go to second overtime um and then i think it was i don't know four or five minutes in they just like throw a puck 10 feet wide of the net this kid i don't even think he was looking eyes closed like just hit his stick and went in the net so it was heartbreaking yeah. yeah so we're like okay we gotta and we we're up 3-1 in the series by the way so they went two in a row and we're like oh like we better not lose this lead basically yeah, yeah it was a quiet plane ride home for sure <laughs> Wow, yeah, that's that's tough, and that's another thing. Well, you're human, and now you start. Well, sorry to interrupt. You. No, no, good. Kind of the dagger in that is so we had uh, our planes. You know, we're flying back to Moto. Cases of beer uh. waiting for us on the on the plane. We were up, we were up, you know, yeah. like, and then we all get on the plane. Obviously, no one touched the beer, but right. like just cases of beer, like expecting to, you know, we were going to win that game. Oh. And so, you, you know, you get on the plane, you're just like, oh, man, like, yeah, we got to get it done here. Yeah, oh. but pretty crazy. Went down to game seven and um, like we just put a kind of a perfect game together. Like we played our system to a T speed and just scored the first goal, scored the second, scored the third and then got a nice fourth insurance goal. Like. With this team, they were just coming back all series. Like, even if they were down, they'd get one, get two, and then, you know, so whatever. But I I don't think I was, you know, kind of celebrating on the bench until maybe a minute 15 left, and they had to score four goals. Like, seriously, I was not. I'm like, you never know. Right. You never know. So, but then, you know, clock runs out, and we're all going crazy. The fans are going nuts. It was a pretty special experience. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Have you won big championships before? Never. That's I, I mean, college, one, two, three. And then okay. WCHA. <laughs> Doesn't even exist anymore, right? CCHA. <laughs> what, what was CC ranked? I don't even know the name of it. CC, we had a lot of pride. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Did you guys play against each other in college? No, they were too bad for us. Too no, bad. no. <laughs> we, yeah. I, I mean, our team wasn't great, but we had some fun. That's so. amazing. I mean, this has to be... Like, even at college, winning conference championships, how many people are you playing in front of? Um, six, seven, eight thousand. Yeah, and now at Moto, how many are you playing in front of? Like ten. At least ten. Ten. But, ten but, crazy, loud, screaming, cheering, yeah, sc- singing, and yeah. I think fireworks. Maybe it has definitely made it more special in the fact that it was three rounds of best of seven yeah. it wasn't you know in college where it's one game it's, right yeah. it's like you it's an absolute it's like another season yeah. it felt yeah. like so. second season i mean that's what it's when you're playing what 20 what, 21 games how many are we played 17 17 yeah oh. so a lot of ups and downs but unbelievable experience i'll yeah, never, what a never forget experience. yeah looking back at it now tell me your number one, like your favorite moment from the season or being in moto, like what stands out at you is like, man, I'm having so much fun right now. This is the greatest thing I've done. Like this is, I love hockey. Honestly, for me, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with hockey. Like the imports we had on moto, the laughs and the late night bus rides playing cards were Hilarious. next level funny. And yeah. like those, it's just like, you can't even put a price on that stuff. Yeah. Like it was so much fun. We were just, 
like, yeah, we were having ho- uh, like success in hockey, but I think part of that was because we were all so tight off the ice. Oh, and man, for me, huge. it was just the group that was there. So yeah. that was a blast. Yeah, I, not to coffee, but I was going to say the same thing. You know, me and Vels were in Vastrovic, and we had a good group there. And then uh, I, I talked to Hallie a little bit <clears throat> when I was in Vastrovic, and he was up in Timra. And he said it was tough because he only had, he had one – import but then he got traded so he was alone and he's like man it's tough you know whatever and and then when we got traded to moto like how tight the imports were yeah were like like you said it's priceless like the laughs like i'm sure we kept half the bus up because we were laughing so hard (laughs) at three in the morning like sitting at the table like playing you know cards or Catan or something and I don't know. I it was like a, a mini escape yeah. from hockey. I'll, you know, you yeah. playing hockey all the time, and then you're just with your boys. You know, laugh like gut laughing. Like, yeah, perfect. Uh, but I, I guess to satisfy your answer a little bit, I'd say I don't know. After we won, we had a parade, yeah. and it was insane. Like the whole town square was covered with people, yeah. and so that was a pretty cool moment. Yeah, I'm sure that's cool. But my answer was definitely satisfied with before because I cool. I totally believe in the fun of of it all. And I in my other life, like I think I have three lives, right? I have my radio life, I have my hockey life, and I have my fire life. And in my fire life, team building is huge for us. Yeah. And I work, we call my station the meat grinder or the night train, um, you know, or the the sleepless nights is what that's our logo because we're up, we're grinding, we're doing like, we're just running call after call. Uh, we run, you know, 12, 15 calls, 18 calls a day. And a lot of it's going on homeless people. A lot of it's going on the same stuff over and over and over again. And, but my group is tight. It's easy to get like burned out, but because we do settlers of Catan, we do board games. We do, we go through stuff together, but man, we're laughing. We're playing pranks on each other which gets a little out of hand sometimes. and so, so sure. We break some things and have to sure. fix some things. And that's yeah. even fun too. Yeah. Like fixing things, like we have to go buy a phone because we broke a phone. You know, just yeah. those little things that contribute to being a tight group immediately is seen on calls. and immediately is seen on the ice. Yeah. We don't even have to talk a lot. Absolutely. For sure. We know what each person's going to do or what each person needs. Yeah. And it just contributes to that family atmosphere, which I think makes better play better you know teamwork right 100%. on ice 100%. in life you hit the nail on the head yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're able to have more fun and build like that it, not only like, that's cool you guys yeah. just won a championship i asked you what your favorite thing was and it was hanging out with the boys and yeah. playing yeah. on the bus that's that's super cool yeah. i love that yeah i, I yeah. think that's a great answer yeah. um don't get us wrong championship was great yeah of course <laughs> it was of course <laughs> it was I can't, yeah. I can't even imagine what yeah. it's like I, yeah. you know I won a roller hockey championship one time I, I won a couple men's leagues championships but yeah. I can't even imagine what it's like to play like in Europe seems just better to me to win a championship like to interact with those fans that are not too cool you know it's, what I mean like it's, I, it's, I'm that guy it's like a way bigger deal to them than it is to the players yeah like they you know crying and stuff when we make it up oh, and it was nuts awesome so. But no, pretty, uh, pretty special. Like something I'll never forget. I mean, just the whole experience and the fact that it came down to Game Seven was even crazier. Yeah, like, they almost came back, and then so much fun. It came down to one game. So, so it, it's crazy because that's that's so awesome. And then I get on that website and I'm like, 
Because, you know, your brother starts posting stuff. Both your brothers yeah. are posting things. I reach out to Alex. I'm like, hey, I need information on this right now. I'm trying to write a story on what happened. I can't get anything off their website. Yeah. <laughs> and I email a guy, and basically the response I get from Moto is that they're still in party mode. They're not. Yeah. Their reporters aren't even saying anything <laughs> about it. It's about a week straight of... Drinking yeah. waters, free, yeah, yeah, free drinks and this free is, food. This is this is the uh, oh, I feel a load. Yeah, this was what Hallie was talking about. Like we had like thirty thousand people. Oh, forward that to me. I'll put it on with this yeah. podcast. But it was it was crazy. I mean that that whole parade and it was. Bricks just showed me a video of thousands of people singing along at a parade, like. Oh, great. Yeah, we, we were up on stage. and Does everybody own a moto jersey in moto? I guess so. And it was a work day, too. See, yeah. like, yeah, I don't think work. any was work like, got done. What, did, what day did we win it on? Like a Monday? Tuesday? Was we went on a Sunday. Sunday. And that was Monday or Tuesday. And they yeah. just shut it all down and let's party. <laughs> yeah. it, the town was literally shut down. Nice. Yeah. I don't think. Was, I think the essentials were open. Hospital, yeah. gas station. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And like, but it was... I don't know. It was something else. Unreal. Yeah. That's cool. Well, I, I, I was getting desperate. I'm like, I want to... I want to act like I'm a real reporter and I want to get this out right away. Cause I was like, I was so stoked to read about it. So I even came up with the idea. This is the first time I tried to use that chat GPT thing. Yeah. And I'm like, write me an article, do the research and write me an article and then reference how like Daniel and Nick did in this playoff thing. And it just made crap up. Yeah. <laughs> None of it was true. Hallard, like 50 it, goals in playoffs. It's, <laughs> I should read it. Yeah, you should post that. Yeah. I had no idea that thing would lie, but Tegan and I, because Tegan helps me so much. He saw him creeping around here earlier taking yeah. pictures. Like, Tegan runs the social media stuff for this. And uh, we sat there and we read it. We're like, let's research this because it said Nick won, Nick scored the game-winning goal, game seven, <laughs> in overtime. And, like, <laughs> like, everybody came off the ice and talked about Daniel's leadership and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, I mean, most of it sounded true, but like I can see the final score was four zip game seven. Yeah. So there was no last second goal that won it all. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I like the way that sounds. Yeah. Like, I, I should have just, po- just posted it and yeah. said, you know, this is what happened. Chat We're sticking GPT to this. wrote this article. Don't blame me if it's not Allie true. with the hat trick. Yeah. yeah. Scored three goals in overtime. All assisted by Brickley. <laughs> like, only Utah players from, matter from in the that. Stands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, do you guys know, are you both going back next season? Do you know where you're playing next season? I am going back, yeah. I didn't have a contract lined up. Like, a lot of the guys on the team, like, if you win the championship, you just have a contract locked and loaded. But yeah. my situation was kind of like, uh, I, I got to get out of Tamara where I was, and it just kind of worked out where Moto offered me a nice, you know, deal, deal. Yeah. for the end of the season. And then, um, so at the moment, I think there's negotiations going on, but nothing in concrete, nothing in concrete. right now. Yeah. Oh, so. is that where you'd want to go though? We'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I mean, guess you shouldn't say it. Don't say, don't say anything. Cause yeah. that tips the skills a little bit. Yeah, sure. But I mean the, the group of guys there would be fun to go back and be with for sure. But right. who knows? We'll see what happens. The contract negotiations, you know, I'm friends with George Peros. Um, for fans, I don't know him a long time NHL guy. He was a fighter. And we'd do stuff all the time for one of these other companies I worked with, and then we'd post stuff online and try to create content or whatever. At one time, we went out and screwed around at the LA Kings Ice Center, and he's like, we can't post anything from here because I don't want to tip the skill and let them know that I want to sign in California or that I'm spending time in California. I think he was with the Ducks, but he's like, so don't tag California. I don't want them to think I'm in California. 
I don't want them to know that I live in California. I want them to think I still live in New Jersey. Keep your bargaining chips. Yeah, and that's all he was after. And I was like, man, I never thought it went that deep. He's like, it goes that deep. Oh, yeah. It goes that deep. If they know that I live in California, they'll offer me hundreds of thousands less. Yeah. Because they know I'm a little bit more off to take it. So literally, I didn't know this at the time, but you can tag. You can say you're wherever you want to say. Yeah. So we tagged like we were in Helsinki. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yeah. At the Just, beach in yeah, Helsinki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That dude's so smart when it comes to business. With the Hermosa Beach flag flying. In the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so let's talk a little bit about Utah hockey. Let's talk about things that are going on here. Um, you guys are both from Utah. You've grown up here. Um, what are you guys doing during the summer? Are, you, are, is there, are there skates that you, you guys are – Involved in every day with other pros. I'm not going to be hurt. You didn't invite me to be the goalie. If that's the case, but um, are, yeah, we're looking for goalies when we when we do skate. We need a goalie. To, get a phone call, so we need a goalie to go down, Jay. It <laughs> <laughs> must not be. Uh, I, I get that. No, I just. Oh, I, mean, I butterfly sometimes for a 50 year old. Hey, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I have really nice gear. Um, right now, uh, we're not really skating. Uh, our summers are short. Yeah, we went for so long, and then, or we ended later than usual, and then I have to report back July thirty first. Jeez, so kind of staying off the ice for a little bit. Right, probably start picking up skates at the end of June, maybe start of July. Um, you guys are working out every day. Yeah, like that's where you can't. You both came here right from a workout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got to stay busy. I mean, when I came home, I didn't work out for like a week and a half or something like that, and. I mean, it's nice. You need to give your body a rest, but then you kind of start going crazy. Like, all right, I need to get busy and yeah. start doing something. So, just start cold therapy. Just start jumping into cold yeah, tubs. Exactly. That's cold lakes. Thing. That works, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So, that's got to be our new our new pitch. Just get people. We'll just go to the lake and say we're doing cold therapy. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was just up at a Flaming Gorge and I jumped in. And yeah. Thinking it was going to be cold. I mean, it is cold. I mean, it's fifty. I think it was like fifty-two degrees, fifty-three, oh, perfect. and. Me and Hal have been ice bathing, and that tub is freezing. Yeah. And so when I jumped in this past weekend, I was like, this is a bath. Yeah. You know, like, right. Well, the research says 55 or below is good. 55 is where you want it. Um, I was just in Korea where you guys were talking about before. Um, they have a cool setup in the, you know, just even in the hotel. They have hot, warm, cold tubs. Yeah. So you start in a hot tub for a little while, and then you go to the cold tub, which they kept at. I think 37 degrees. Yeah, yeah that's, cold. that's cold. <laughs> by the way, you have to be completely naked when you're there. So, yeah. That's wow. a little low. Uh, where, where is this? Sorry. In Korea. Oh, okay. When oh, I was okay. in Korea. So, then, anyway, and then you get in the warm tub to kind of thaw out and then get dressed and go home. A lot of the guys uh, in Vastrovic, um, this is just a side note, if any sweet Swedish name of the city ends in Vic, it means yep. you're by the bay, you're by water. Oh, really? Um, but so we're on the Baltic sea and in, in the bay, it'd freeze over and, and a lot of Swedes will go out and, you know, cut a hole themselves. And, yeah. and what you see online, like they'll cut a hole here and then they'll swim like, I don't know, 10 yards or, yeah. so, or whatever. And then they'll have another hole over here and they'll just swim that. And that's like their cold plunge. And wow. A lot of the guys, a lot of my teammates did it. Yeah. And they'd ask me, I'm like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> that seems dangerous. One, that's like... <laughs> What if I like can't find, can't find that other hole? Yeah. You know, screwed. Yeah. Like I'm dead. You know, yeah. but uh, I can't even imagine how cold that was. Yeah. But well, you know, it froze at the top. So crazy. Um, 
And I know we can kind of talk about, are you guys teaching lessons? Uh, I mean, yeah, like I hit up uh, a guy up in Park City, Tommy oh. Anderson. Oh. Yeah, and I think we're working something out. So I was considering teaching a little bit this summer just to, you know, help out and give back. and Get some, yeah. like Make that, a little, yeah. uh, It's fair, right? Like you guys gosh. are... You guys have been through so much training, and you've yeah. both came to my camp a lot, so I know you're well trained. Yeah. But uh, like we we can offer a lot. Yeah, you so. can offer a ton, and you've been coached by so many different coaches. You've taken so many tools to put in your toolbox, mm-hmm. so it's good that you guys can go, get on the ice with some kid and give you a little bit, a lot, depending on whatever level they're at. You guys can match it and get yeah. them better, yeah. and then you deserve to be paid for it and make a little bit of money. Yeah, people absolutely. forget that part. I mean, it's not like you guys are in the NHL making millions. You still got to food on the table so it's fair like it's yeah. i know a lot of people think you should do it for cheaper or oh look we just come to drop in with us and we'll pay you 10 bucks well yeah no thanks yeah um what do you think about the rumors of the nhl coming to utah i love it i think that would be awesome for the state of utah and the sport of hockey i mean I, we were talking off podcast a little bit about how arizona um you know that whole things going on but the fact that austin matthews came from arizona and might not have even played hockey without the uh, phoenix coyotes or arizona coyotes whatever um you know i think it just helps grow the game and uh it'd be pretty special so and i think it's a great location for it too you've got a lot of teams close by it's like kind of a neutral location if you're in the west so i think it's uh great all around yeah for sure and we were talking about it because, you know, I man, every time I post something, and granted, it's a passion thing for me. Like, I'm ex- this, this podcast was a passion project for me that nobody thought would work. Nobody would thought we'd get, you know, 20,000 listeners an episode or whatever. Uh, KSL just basically let me try it. And they're like, yeah, we'll give you a year, and we're just completing season five because we're one of the top sports podcasts on KSL because yeah, there are people that want to know, and there yeah. are people that want to play, yeah. and they're not all hockey players. But we talk about, I'll post something, I'll be like, hey, the NHL could come to Utah. And everybody's like, it won't work. Nobody even goes to Grizzlies games. They only get 4,000 fans a game. The Eagles used to get, you know, eight, whatever. But the exact same thing was happening in Vegas, like we were talking about before. The Wranglers were there. The Aces were there. They've had tons of teams that do okay, but not great enough to survive. But you bring a team like the Vegas Knights in, you bring in the NHL, and it's not just hockey fans that's go. It's people that are wanting ex- – an experience yeah. mm-hmm. and now go there and try and buy a ticket. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, look at, uh, down in Coachella, like the uh, Palm Springs team. Yeah. They, all the rumors, like it's a retirement place. Like you're going to have all these old people, like no one's going to go to these games. I'm pretty sure they sold out. Like I, I thought I saw a stat, like 87% of their games or wow. something like, yeah. And that's doable. Yeah, I think that's doable here because people want the experience, and that'll grow hockey here. Yeah, and uh, I think Utah hockey's grown an incredible amount since, like, since we were kids. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely. Uh, yeah. I don't know how many high school teams now have hockey, and um, I'm a little bit out of the loop, but uh, you know, travel hockey, travel hockey, huge here. Yeah, I mean, it's grown quite a bit. Yeah, regardless of the sport, I think. A lot of people like to go and watch um, athletes compete at the highest level yeah. in the sport. So I don't like basketball. I go to jazz games. Yeah, yeah. I don't really care. Yeah, I just it's just fun to go watch the best of the best do what they do. Yeah, it's fun. I I look forward to go. I'll go get a beverage. I'll go get a piece of pizza, 
And that's what I love about going to an NHL game here. I go to several, and there are several Utah fans that are in on packages with, with Vegas, mm. you know, and it's, I, I think it'd do well here. And I think the way they have it set up, I know a lot of people complaining. Brooks, you actually played an NHL preseason game here yeah. for the Kings. And what was it like to play at what is now going to be called the Delta Center again? It was, uh, it was crazy. I mean, it I mean, obviously, we don't have an NHL team here, but having Vancouver come down and then uh, the Kings come here, uh, weirdly, it was not knowing it was part of a, a dream of mine, but playing pro hockey in my home state was it was awesome. I oh. mean, the place was you know loud, it was packed. Um, the ice could have been a little better. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it, it was something I, I i won't forget um but yeah it was fun and when you go to conditions on the ice because that's one of the things i'm getting at too is like we talk about uh if i post something everybody's like oh the delta center sucks for hockey it's not meant for hockey well it true it's meant for basketball and true yeah. there are seats that aren't great but when the delta center was first built the golden eagles played there yeah. nobody complained about it because we were happy to have ice and we were yeah. happy to have a place for the team to play once the Salt Palace had gone away, we weren't sure what was going to happen. And then the Utah Grizzlies won their only championship at the Delta Center. Yeah. That banner that was up there. And nobody complained about it then. It was a sold-out building yeah. for the championship and for most of those games against what, Orlando. What does that hold in there? I think it's like well, it's 18-something for... N- NHL size. Yeah, it's 18-something yeah, yeah. for NBA and 16-something with the ice in because yeah. they had to pull those sides back. Which, I, not to cut you off, I think is beneficial for if we do get an NHL team. Yeah. Let's just say we don't pull in as, you know, like a Toronto Leafs, you know, fan base or, or, or whatever. I mean, having a little less seats, as long as you can fill it, yeah. I mean, it's be great revenue. If, and Let's say there's 15,500 unobstructed view. That, that'll that sell out more often than 18,000, yeah. right, for us. Yeah. And that'll be good. We have an owner that's fine. Like, he's clearly fine with teams like the jazz didn't sell out every game this year and he was fine tanking them. They, the, the goal was to tank a lot of games this year and they knew that would hurt ticket sales. Yeah. But you know, he was for the process. He understands the process. It's a long haul. We're going to make the best out of it. So I don't know in that realm, I think it's good. Um, and again, it's a passion of mine, so I'm going to push for it and I want to will it into existence. Yeah. Hey, I think you're well on your way. <laughs> I'm I'm amazed because I was pushing so hard and I have I have some friends I have a couple friends that are billionaires and I'm always like hey why don't you just uh, throw me some money let me <laughs> let me just start an AHL team yeah. yeah let me get their I'll contact get, info let me bring the yeah. AHL <laughs> and, yeah. throw me some money in there yeah. yeah and it's funny because they're like yeah write up a business plan let's see what happens I'm like I don't know how to write a business plan I'll get somebody else on yeah. that but I've always kind of thought I could at least start with the AHL. And bring in a team because Vancouver really wanted to put their AHL team in here. Vegas talked about it, um, but what they've got—I was just in Vegas yesterday at their other facilities, and man, they've done an amazing job. And having those two teams right there—that's that's amazing. Yeah, it's and, nice. It's nice being that close. I mean, you look at when the Kings had Manchester; it's across the country. I yeah, mean, it's, it's crazy, insane. Like yeah. you get called up here—that's two days worth of a full day of travel just to get there, and then you're the next day to, you know, get on the ice. I mean, now it's 
oh, you get called up, you go from this locker room over to the, the next locker room. Right. You know, and, and that's nice when teams have that. I mean, Anaheim and San Diego are close. Yep. Vegas and Henderson are close. Yeah. Uh, the Avalanche and Colorado uh, Eagles. Eagles. Yep. I mean, that's very accessible. And that's why I really thought that AHL would do well here too. But that's before I thought somebody would buy a building and bring the NHL here. The NHL, I think, would do I would like to believe it would do well here. I think it would. I mean, look at Seattle. They're like, not that I don't know what their hockey atmosphere is like, but I know it's not a huge hockey town. Yeah. Neither is Salt Lake City, but I think you see this, the success there that they've had, and you know I don't think it's far fetched to replicate it here. Yeah, I agree. And it's I don't know, like basketball, baseball numbers are dwindling, hockey keeps going up it's just such a good game it's so fast-paced and yeah. um you know it's uh non-stop action yeah, and when, when i take groups to like i'll take random groups um like firefighters or whatever that have never been to a game before and i'll be like, okay let's you know my christmas present to my crew is i take the my crew and their families to a grizzlies game and i get a suite and i get it catered and we hang out and we watch a game and every time People that have never been to a game, even even the Grizzlies, and say whatever you want about the Grizzlies level, you know it's still professional hockey. Those are guys that all still played NCAA or major juniors, and it's good hockey. And every time people are like, "Man, that was amazing! Mm-hmm. I never knew hockey was so cool." I am coming to more yeah. Grizzlies games for sure. I'm coming, and I've had I've sold season tickets for the Grizzlies. You know, I've had them. Oh, just call Jared; he'll sell you season tickets right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's. I think it's a. The more exposure people get to hockey, the more likely they are to keep going. And I think the NHL would be amazing for that. Here. Yeah, exactly. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about as far as hockey in Utah or anything else we can help you guys promote? Should we give out your number? You want a thousand people calling you for lessons? <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all good. Okay, yeah, well. You guys, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I know you've been on a, a few times, and uh, we're, we're excited to see what happens for you guys next. Uh, I am going to try to actually not chat, write an article, but actually write the article. Now that I've got more of the facts, we'll put some – have you guys send me some of those pictures in that video. We'll post them with this, this podcast. Well, Keegan will. I, don't, I still don't really know how to do it. But we'll get all that stuff set up and, and, and help promote you guys and just, just know that when I'm out, when I'm doing stuff, and I run into people, not just your parents – because when I run into your dad at Costco or your mom, and well, we're, I'm trying to get your brother hired on with the fire department right now. I just texted him last night, and, and your mom's talks to me about that. Yeah, of course they talk to me about you, but everywhere I go, when people sit down, they're like, "Hey, what? How come you haven't posted an article about what Daniel's doing or what's going on with Howard?" What's so people want? People are supporting you, and and the whole state of Utah seems to be like just proud of you guys and what you've done and what you've accomplished and what you keep accomplishing. So, thanks for. Uh, being listed a good uh, inspiration for Utah hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for being a great voice to get our stories out there. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about season six coming up. Um, speaking of season six, there's going to be some changes to the Utah puck report. Uh, the puck report is going to be going a little more national. If you are wanting to be a sponsor of this, you can reach out through email through or jstevens at ksl.com. Uh, make sure that you subscribe, make sure you share it, make sure that your friends know about it. Uh, the bigger this podcast gets, the more coverage we can do of hockey in this state, including uh, University of Utah hockey, which we covered last year. And that's another thing, I don't know if you guys know, Utah's trying to go like NCAA. 
I don't D three D. Well, they'd be going D one. So Pac twelve is trying to go with a whole D one setup now. So it would be you know Arizona State already has a team. Arizona's close. Oregon, UCLA, Stanford. That'd put your that'd be amazing. That'd put your beloved Colorado College right in the same conference with those yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, that'd be uh, pretty special. I yeah, mean, having be... a D one team in Utah. I wish I was ten, was ten years younger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, okay. Well, you guys do a lot of the groundwork to make it happen. All right. Well, guys, uh, again, thank you, and that'll be that'll conclude today's Utah Puck Report. Thanks for listening. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.